Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Here for another week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, hey, my favourite people. How you doing? You okay? Oh, nice one. You had a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've not been to the horses yet. I'll tell you all about the horses. I'm recording this just before I go. Uh, this little introduction. So I'm in my suit. I'm ready to go now. Like literally in a bit. So I'm just. I'm basically getting this record ready to come out on Monday because I'm going to be hungover and I'll probably feel sick tomorrow to the pit of my stomach. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm recording this just before I venture over to Doncaster to the St. Ledger Horses, the Horses Race. Um, and yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it now. I do have to admit, uh, I've been cynical about it all for, for quite a while now. I just need to uh, wind my ass up, uh, wind my neck in, I mean... <laughs> I just crack on and enjoy myself. It's uh, it's gonna be fine. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with a brand new guest for you this week. That's what the podcast's all about. And I've literally co- just come off the phone to uh, Rick Witter from Shed Seven. Didn't need to say that. You already know who he is. Of course, you, of course you do. Yeah, we we did it over phone this one, not Zoom. So it's the quality of a phone call. So I can't help it. It's that's how it was. It's fine. It's, it's, you know, people use phones, don't they? I think these days, do, do people use phones still these days for conversation? And it, it was... Uh, Rick, as always, has got a story to tell. And he tells loads during this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're, uh, you know, a fan of Shed 7, a fan of music, a fan of just chat and industry debate and conversation you're in the right place because this is the rgm experience podcast and that's what happens here so ladies and gentlemen i got 25 minutes with him earlier and he's a beautiful soul always got a story to tell ladies and gentlemen rick witter so ladies and gentlemen we're here joining up with rick, rick, rick witter um, if you want to look back on the archives of the uh, podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we last spoke to Rick back in episode 49 when we met him down at Tramlines. And Rick, I don't know if you can remember, but we start, we, we had a little chat about um, where you were as a band and you were just about to go on the big main stage and perform your big hits and that kind of stuff. But in the background, you were you were deep into writing the new album at that stage and it was kind of like getting towards finalising um, the vision of this new record that's coming out soon that I want to talk to you about. Um, yeah. So, what ha, ha, how's the process of the album been over the last year or so since we last caught up? Uh, well, it literally, weirdly, it only took us about nine months from from start to finish, yeah. which is kind of unheard of for us as a band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it would usually take us at least two, three years. Yeah. Um. So I think me and Paul found ourselves having a massive purple patch. Yeah. Um, ideas were just flowing, lyrics were pouring out of me, and we just thought, right, you know, let's let's just crack on with this because at any point the tap could just turn off. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, it was a really satisfying period of time because, mm. as I say, we just found ourselves just coming up with the goods. 
in quite an easy way, which is really a very strange thing. It doesn't usually happen like that. And I think you can hear that in the album. I think when we went to record it, we were all kind of really caught up in it and massively into it. And I think I think the songs speak for themselves. And I think the way we've recorded it, you can almost hear it um, as it's coming through the speakers. Yeah. So we're very excited about it, to be honest. Yeah, nice. Well, was it like that in the early days, in the early albums? Was it easier? And then did it gradually get harder as you progressed into your career? Well, well, funnily enough, I kind of class this a little bit like our second album, A Maximum High, okay. um, which is one of our bigger bigger albums. Yeah. Um, because at that point, we'd written the first album and released it. We'd had four years to write that um, before it came out and got a deal. Um, and then suddenly you've got a deal and you've released the solo, uh, the, the, uh, the first album. Yeah. Um, and then you're being told, where's the next one? So we literally had about a year to write a maximum high. And it's kind of renowned that band's second albums, it's got its own syndrome, the difficult second, yeah. second album syndrome. And we didn't really get that with the maximum high. We just cracked on and did it within a year. Uh, and, and that album was kind of upbeat. I mean, the songs on that album called Getting Better and Going for Gold. It was all positive and upbeat. And this album's probably the first time since then that we've kind of felt the same vibes as we were writing it. Um, so, you know, Maximum High being probably our most fondly remembered album, we're kind of hoping that this one follows suit in that respect. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we never really sit down and and discuss what we're going to do ever really we just do it yeah. and and me and Paul have been writing songs since we were 13 so we've never really changed the attitude the mentality how we go about writing songs yeah. to this day really but what one thing I have kind of picked upon oh. since we finished writing it I guess is it's almost like we were looking back at our old mid-teenage selves while we, while we were writing this. Yeah. So I remember I remember occasions where me and Paul would be in my parents' kitchen or his parents' living room and we'd be dancing around listening to what we were loving at the time. Yeah. And I can almost hear that coming out of the music. So, you know, when we were 14 and 15, we'd be into U2 and we'd be into Simple Minds and Duran Duran. And there's almost little nods to all of this going on, which is which is the only difference, I guess, with this set of songs. Yeah, so I suppose it did you like looking back on Young Rick then? Um, I've, I've, God, he was cool. He <laughs> was so cool, that lad. <laughs> good lad <wasn't> he? <laughs> he was a good lad. Yeah, he was a good lad. Wasn't he? Yeah. So, how does it? You know, like, like what what have you learned from like res- retrospectively looking back on Young Rick and coming through the music industry? Um, well, I guess. Like anything, the more you do something, the more experience you're going to get at it, whatever it is you do in life. Uh, And I think we just find ourselves in that situation, really. We've all all hit 50. So, you know, I just think with age comes more wisdom. Um, I think also the nature of our career means that the fact we're still here doing it after so many years is testament to what we've achieved in the past, but it also makes us feel now that we've got less to prove. We can just do what we want to do without worrying about what people might judge us on. You know, I mean, the music industry has massively changed over the years. Um, And 
you know, in a way, it's satisfying to to know that we're still here doing it and making a living out of it because it is such a fickle industry, the music industry. Oh, yeah. um, and, and you know, a click of a finger and you can be gone. And especially nowadays, because if you say the one wrong out, one word wrong out of place, yeah. you can be cancelled. So, you know, the fact that we have hit 50 years old and this is what we've done through, through over half of our lifetimes, um, and we're still here doing it. But I think, you know, I wouldn't use the word luck because I think what we do is amazing and I think we're very good at doing it. But to still have such a really cool, good core fan base that just just dine out on what we do is just an amazing feeling. And it means we put gigs on and they sell out straight away. Yeah. People know what they're going to get at these gigs. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny because obviously people of our age group now it's not as easy as just getting a ticket to a gig. They've got to sort out the babysitters. They've got to make sure everything else is in place. They've got to wonder, am I going to have too many pints because it's a Tuesday night and I've got to get up for work the next day. But none of that seems to apply, really. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, we, we, I think this seems to happen more and more. The more we play, certainly over the past 10 years, but the, it seems to happen more and more now where we'll do a gig and we'll walk out on the stage and there's literally just loads of kids in the room, you know, and they're all wearing Shed 7 T-shirts and they're all singing every word. Yeah. So, you know, in that respect, it just means that because they're having such a great time, they'll come again with the parents when they're 7 and when they're 9 and when they're 11 and when they're 13. And because they'll keep coming back, hopefully loving what we're doing, we'll, we are the new Rolling Stones. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as that. <laughs> That's the quote for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, does it, it? One little thing I picked up there. So, does it? Does it worry you, cancel culture, and being a public figure yourself, and maybe being from a different, um, like myself? You know, I'm a similar age. For you know, it, it, it's more difficult for us older people to uh, to realize we might say the wrong things. Just yeah. <laughs> if, well, if, if you know what I'm saying there. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I totally get it. You do bump into older folk and, and they'll just say it how they think it is. But yeah. the world moves on yeah. at the end of the day. You know, things change. Uh, and I'm canny enough to keep my thoughts to myself if I disagree with something. Because what is the point in opening up a debate or an argument or getting yourself cancelled for something that doesn't really relate to you. If I was yeah. passionate about something, then I would voice my concerns. But, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, each to their own, really. Yeah. Live and let live. Live and let live. Love and let love. It's got to take something massive to even dent trying to cancel Shed 7, surely. Jesus, nobody's stopping that, are they? Well, we're a juggernaut, mate. We're a juggernaut. <laughs> you know, and, and funnily enough, it's funny because next year 2024 is our 30th anniversary since the debut album came out so i remember it wow. next next year is going to be a busy old year for us we're going to announce loads of things sporadically over the next few months that we're doing next year but all i can say is if you are a fan of shed seven i buckle up and if you're not so much, if you're not so much a fan of Shed Seven, find the nearest big rock. You're going to need it. <laughs> That's all. Well, well. uh, you, know, you, you mentioned earlier that um, you just you, you were flowing with songs and you felt like you had to get them down and just go with the um, you know just go with how things were going creatively for you. Uh, how how do you manage like creative control and quality control on an album that, that you that you're bringing out? How how do you manage that side of things? 
Uh, well, quite easily, to be honest. Yeah. We know we know what we want to hear, and we know what how we want to sound. So, I would be the first one if if things weren't going how I was expecting them. I'd be the first one to voice an opinion on it. Um, I mean, quite obviously, you you write songs and then you go into the studio, and they, obviously they're going to change slightly. Yeah. But as long as you've got the 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 initial essence of it, then then it, all it can do is make it better to be honest I mean we went to Spain to record this album and it took us three weeks and we went there with a set of demos and came back with a fully formed adult album so it was an amazing experience to see these things take shape whilst recording them um, and yeah and that's why it's great sometimes to release bonus editions with demo versions of the songs because if you're yeah. a true fan you can see the story of the song and how it how it kind of progresses through a period of time. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a few songs on on there where where we didn't even have middle eights in the songs, and the producer who produced it, Youth, he's a big fan of a middle eight. So yeah. you know, we one day we'd be showing him the song that we were going to record that day, and he'd be saying, "Where's the middle eight? And we'd be going, "Well, we haven't written a middle eight for this one, Youth." And he'd say, "You need a middle eight. Go in that room over there and don't come out until you've written a good middle eight. So you know, we'd be it's work, you know, it's like me yeah. and Paul would then trundle off to a room looking like yeah. scolded school children, <laughs> walking into a room and then we'd come out 20 minutes later with a great middle eight. Yeah. So, you know, it's all, it's all good fodder really. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, I'm from a certain area, a similar age to yourself, Rick, and our albums back in the day uh, were kind of like, they were a piece of art, weren't they? They were a, um, you know, you had to have a point in the album where things slowed down a little bit and things pick back up again, and there's a an out, even flow throughout the whole album. Um, how do you how do you how do you do that as a creative? I've never written an album before, but I'm just fascinated with the process of it. Well, I like your age chat because that is so important. Yeah. That that is that is something that a lot of people wouldn't even consider. Mm. But for me, it's just as important as the songs that you're writing. It's how it flows. It's, it's got to tell a story. So yes, we spend an awful lot of time working out the track listing. Um, and we, um, not massively because no. usually, usually yeah, there'll be discussions. I mean, okay. band life is, band life is like being married. It really yeah. is. It's, yeah. you know, there's, there's disagreements, there's love, hate, there's hurdles you have to overcome. But, you know, again, an age thing means that, you you understand the importance of things the older you get yeah. and what's not so important. So, you know, we even, when we're discussing track listings, we even consider the vinyl side of things. We don't yeah. just consider it on a digital release or yeah. or a CD. We, we consider people who might buy it on vinyl. So the track six, the end side A, has to be really good mm. because that means that if it's a really good track, you're going to want to get turn up off your over. bum oh. and turn it over. And then track seven, the first song on side B, has to be brilliant. And obviously the, the first track and the last track have to make sense. Mm. So so I think well, I think we've done a, a great thing with, with the sequencing of it. But it goes even deeper than that for me because mm. when it's being mastered, that's when you have to decide the gaps in between the songs. Mm. You know, uh, a lot of bands would just have the standard two, two, three, four second gaps. But, you know, when we'd worked out the track listing for this album, the very first song on the album is like a two minute 
bit of a bombshell kind of track, quite a fast in your face track. And I wanted that to jump straight into the next song so that people were going, Well, well, that was quick. Yeah. You know, it's very important to think of so I'm even I'm even wondering about silence on our record. Wow. And how much of it should happen. Do any songs like bleed into each other, like, you know, an old Beatles record or like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of that going on as yeah. well, yeah. Uh, and obviously, again, with the with the sequence of the songs, we we kind of understood that that should blend into that a little bit rather than just have a pause, yeah. So there's an awful lot of that going on. Nice. I think it's one, it's an album, it's, a, it's an album that I think might, be around for a while, if you know what I mean. It's one of these where I think if you if you like us, you're going to love it. I think I, I can I can kind of almost guarantee a Shed Seven fan that if you like our our past stuff, you're going to like this. You really are. But I'm I kind of hoping that people who perhaps have a bit of a downer on us or people who've never heard of us, mm. I'm hoping that they kind of pick up on it and, and take it to the hearts. And what we're talking number one then, or what? Well, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We've never had one of them. So that'd be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, we'll keep persisting until we have one. So. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. If, if we are still here in 30 years and we're talking about it, then hopefully by that point we would have had one. <laughs> you might only need like 15 sales in the future to get a number one album or something like that. Well, that's the, way things, yeah, that's, it, that's the way things go, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was having a good look at the album cover early and the artwork on it, and that, look, that looked like a bit of fun to the, the picture of you with the, um, with the burning... Uh, is that a, is, is that a, um, like a, a nod to you know how, how the media is that burning flame coming out well there's, there's lots of nods on that cover you know yeah there might be a little bit of that involved there's, you know it's funny because it took about 20 takes to get that yeah. album cover because um, we had a pile of newspapers and literally five seconds after setting it alight and taking a picture it was nearly burning my hands off so I kept having <laughs> to throw the paper away and getting a new one <laughs> You know, there's a song on the al- there's a song on the album called Starlings, which is a lovely song, and that's you know you'll notice top right there's a, a flutter of birds up there in the sky. Uh, there's lots of little references to what's within the album on the cover. Now, I won't give too much away because it's nice okay. for people to try and work these things out. Yeah. But yeah, there's a bit of that, and there's a little bit of end of world vibes going on there. Um, you know, a bit kind of. Um, barren wastelandy kind of end of world thing going on. There's a song on the album called Real Love that's probably one of the most political songs I've ever written. Right. It's basically all about how rubbish the government is. Yeah. People will hear that song and probably not pick up on that, which is why I'm telling you because yeah. they'll just think it's about love. But real love, it's so hard to find. It's all about us as people and how we're being treated and how we're being ruled, you know. So. It goes. It's a, it's a deep album. I'm, yeah. I'm excited for people to hear it. And did you burn yourself? Because I was worried about you as soon as I saw the album. <laughs> you must have had singed. Uh, managed, singed something. Well, I managed to be singed free, but <laughs> only by my only by my own um, by my own quick wit. Yes, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, just the, you know, I, I can see you've got a big tour coming up in October too, but. Um, it's pretty much all sold out at the minute. Is, is there just uh, has everything sold out now? Yeah, there's just a handful left to right. soak on a drizzly Monday night, um, but I'm okay. sure there's still there's still about five weeks before we hit Stoke, so I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine. I mean, there's only a few left anyway, so it's great to know that we can still put on yeah. shows in this day and age, and they sell out really quickly. 
but I think that kind of says something about us and how good we are live and the amount of hits that we can fit into the set. The only problem that we have is we keep writing new songs, which means okay. what 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 gives? You know what 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 do we not play? Because there's certain there's certain songs from our back catalogue that we couldn't get away with not playing. Yeah. Um, so you know we've got to the point now where obviously we want to play some brand new tracks. So in the past, we would have the we'd have the the room to perhaps say, oh, I tell you what, why don't we play that really old B side that we like, yeah. or why don't we play that eighth album track off a maximum mm. high? Yeah. But I think them days are numbered now because there's <laughs> just too many new songs yeah. to fit in and too many hits that we can't not play. So unless we decide, unless we decide that we're going to do a Bruce Springsteen and play for yeah. four hours a night, um, and if we went down that route, I've lost two gigs and then I've been knackered. So, <laughs> well, just to just to end today, mate. Did did you see the hoo ha in the news about um, a post that a, a new young artist called Lucy May Walker put out about gig et- etiquette? Yeah, um, did I you did see, that? see that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, did, I'm, I'm, yeah. I've actually got her as a guest coming up on the podcast. Um, have you? Well, to, say to hello to Adam. I've never met her, but say hello. Yeah, well, I, I definitely will. How how do you feel about all of that? You know, like, um, you know, the uh, how the crowd should be. <laughs> do you think they should be um, by the rules, or how do you just to finish? How do you feel about those type of things? Well, I can kind of, I can totally understand where she's coming from in I the can, respect yeah. that you know you've you've got to show a little bit of respect. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's times where we'll be singing a song. Um, a slow song. We've got a song called Better Days off the last album and, and that to me is a lovely heartfelt song yeah. but because it's a bit more sparse and less in your face yeah. it's difficult when you've got your eyes shut and you're singing something that means so much and there's certain people in the crowd that you could maybe see or envisage with tears in their eyes yeah. and then you can hear a group of people just having a chat about what they're going to have for the tea next week. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, come on, you're only here for an hour and a half. You know, you can discuss that at any point in your life. So I kind of get it. But on the other hand, there's been so many gigs we've done where I've been clonked over the head with a pint of cold or warm beer. The warm beer is more of a worry, to be honest with you, because <laughs> yes, you don't get warm beer, do you? No, you don't. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I did gigs all through the 90s where that was happening all the time. Yeah. So... This it's a fifty-fifty thing for me. I understand it. When I go to a gig, I'm certainly not creating a, a distraction. I want to be there to watch the artist, but I don't think there should be rules as such because it's not rock and roll. If you're suddenly being yeah. ruled, yeah. rock and roll is rock and roll, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I can totally sympathise with what she's saying. Um, you know, for anybody who's on a stage, they're on the stage because they're performing and they want to be heard. So I, I kind of, I think it's, I think what it is, is this generation is, it, you know, it's very me, 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 yeah. you know. So I think a lot of people who go to these gigs now and act in that way, and obviously I'm generalizing, I don't mean everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it's, they want their friends who aren't with them to know that they're there rather than just stand there and enjoy themselves mm-hmm. because that's what it's all about. It's entertainment. Yeah. It's art. You know, I guess it's the same. We did a gig. Um, we actually played two nights at the Leeds University about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. One of them was on a Saturday and one of them was on a Sunday in the same venue. 
to, and both were sold out. So we did the Saturday. I think Leeds United had played at home that day. So the Saturday night gig was a Saturday night gig. There was pints being thrown everywhere. Rowdy crowd, Saturday night. Then we played the same gig the following day uh, in the same room to a sold-out crowd on a Sunday, but quite clearly it's a Sunday, so it's a Sunday crowd. People are probably thinking, right, well, I'm up for work in the morning. I won't be, yeah. So it was a different kind of crowd. Um, And I think we'd got about five songs in on the Sunday, and I was singing a song by us called Ocean Pie, which, again, is quite slow and heartfelt. Um, And halfway through, I got clunked on the head with a pint, (laughs) but nobody else was throwing anything. And it was like 2,000 people in this room. So I carried on singing the song, and I'm thinking, well, my shirt's wet now as I'm singing the song. But then I suddenly thought, well, hold on a minute. Nobody else is throwing anything. So why would one person in a slow song decide to throw their pint at my head? So at the end of the song, I said to the crowd, who threw that? And then somebody halfway back put the hand up, <laughs> which I thought was a bit bizarre in itself, admitting it. So I got the the, um, the security at the front to go and get him and bring him to the front of the stage yeah. so that I could talk to him. So I'm stood on the stage and this lad's in the pit down below me and I'm saying to him, why did you throw that at me? And he's saying, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying, well, what do you do for a living? And he said, I work in an office. So I said, well, how would you like it if I came to your office tomorrow at one o'clock in the afternoon and threw a pint over you? Because I'm doing a job of work here. And he went, I wouldn't like it. So I said, the only way we're going to resolve this issue is if I throw my pint back on you now. (laughs) So I got my pint and threw it all over his head. Uh, Minus the glass, of course. Um, and it probably got the biggest cheer of the whole night, <laughs> more than any of our songs that we played that night. Well, so, you know, it swings and roundabouts, yeah. really, isn't it? I mean, you never know what you're going to get at a gig, and that's half the kind of excitement yeah. and the yeah. and the thrill of doing it, really. Well, come on, Stoke. Last few tickets left for the gig. Within the description of this podcast is going to be a pre-save link to order the new album as well. A matter of time, out on the 12th of January. I've gone slightly over, Rick. I do apologise, but I really appreciate your time today, mate, and I wish you all the best for the tour and the new album, mate. Thank you, Carl. Nice speaking to you. Thanks, mate. Have a nice day. Good man. Cheers, mate. See you. Well, there you go, Mr. Witter, the forever glowing personality and all-round nice guy. Mr. Rick Witter, head lead singer of uh, a band that's... It's covered my whole life. Shed 7, really, looking back. I'm similar age to the boy. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, some great songs throughout the year, and I'm really excited about the new album. If you are too, pop onto the uh, description within the podcast. There is a, a pre-save link for the new album. A matter of time. It's out on the 12th of January. Pre-order now. Final and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a couple of tickets left for uh, Stoke. If uh, that's the only date left on their October tour, that's available too. Uh, we did have a great good chat. I, I, I do. I did quite. I did mention in the podcast there that uh, I've been speaking to Lucy May Walker, uh, the girl that um, had a lot of media. Uh, a lot of media going on this week you know, on the telly and stuff with Rowetta. Did you see that? Uh, the girl talking about gig etiquette. And I'm finalising a date to, to get her on the podcast just to have our little chat as well, guys. So I'm always on it. 
Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed the podcast, stick around. If you're new, if you're a Shed 7 fan and you're listening for the first time, hey hope, stick around. Some plen- plenty of good stuff in the archives. And if you want to listen back to the previous episode that we did with Rick, that's number 49 back in the archives. Plenty more going on in there too. So, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all the best for this week, wherever you are. If you're in your car, if you're on your way to work, if you're struggling, if you're doing all right. Uh, wherever you are, whatever state you're in, we adore you all. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us today for a brand new podcast with me, Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. I wish you all the best, and I will say toodle ooh. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.